Pro Wrestling Noah, July 16, Nippon Budokan. Keiji Muto's chosen venue, the Nippon Budokan. The first fight of his retirement streak. The challenger, Supernova Kaito Kiyomiya. Don't miss Keiji Muto's retirement run. Keno challenges New Japan Pro Wrestling Satoshi Kojima for Noah Gold, the GHC Heavyweight Championship. And Ninja Mac is back! On top of that, Rob Van Dam in a hardcore rules match. International stream on Wrestle Universe. another edition of Cafe Day Renee. I am the third wheel today, James Tunstall, joined once again by the Star Show, Mr. Renee Debris. And Renee, you've brought someone who I've had the pleasure of speaking to, but someone who's an inspiration to our wrestling interviewers. Uh, tell everyone who's joined us today. Well, I didn't bring anyone. This is your dealings. Uh, it's Mr. Sean Oliver. I'm a big fan of his work. Um, I never officially bought one of his DVDs, but I sure clicked the hell out of his, his videos on YouTube. Mr. Oliver, how are you, sir? I'm good. You don't have to buy DVDs anymore, Renee. You know, every, just everyone's pirating it and posting it. And it, the DVDs don't exist anymore as far as we're all concerned, right? It's all streaming. We're all, uh, for anyone under the age of uh, 42, you probably don't even remember DVDs. But uh, I am well, Renee. And since we're in... Cafe Renee, I have to ask for uh, what is the most authentic dish I can order here? I'm in a French cafe. I need to know what to get. What am I getting? One item. Croissant. 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 Uh, with oh, uh, yes. uh, chocolate or, or some ham and cheese? Like what, what, How should I have this prepared? I'll tell you a story, man. I was, I was in Paris. I had a gig in Paris and uh, we went out afterwards and it was an all-night affair. And I had to grab the train the next day to go to Germany. And I was, I was quite intoxicated. And they had these uh, fresh, at the train station, fresh bakery where they sold. Uh... Any signals? Right. I lost them at the wrong time. He was just going to tell me what they were serving. Yeah. He'll James, come back fill in the us. blank. What were they serving? Cocaine. Oh, we got him. I think he's back. Lost you for a second, yeah. right now. Oh, sorry. Okay. Well, I apologize. I'm I'm in Tokyo right now, and yeah. it's seven o'clock in the morning. And I just woke up thirty minutes ago, so I apologize. So, uh, where where did I cut off? Last I heard was I I got on the train and they were serving croissant. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. There was like um, I think it's a law in in uh in uh, Paris or France in general that you you have to have like fresh bakery every day right and coming coming off a coming off a 
all night binge of alcohol, having those croissants, they were amazing. So if you're ever in France, you gotta have a you gotta have the croissant. Okay. I, I absolutely will. I absolutely yes. will. see and people tell me the problem with having me on the show is I always turn it around and I start interviewing the host. So I'm gonna stop now. It's our pleasure, Sean. I would imagine, I don't know, because uh, you've had a few people from the ruthless aggression here on kayfabe commentaries. Did you ever reach out to Renee or did that idea ever come up? You know, my memory isn't what it used to be, so I can't I can't say uh, for certain either way. I know we never worked together, so uh, uh, we, I, I never interviewed Renee. So I don't know whether we attempted it and it was a scheduling. You know, with any of these things, I, I think podcasts are a little different now because people can phone in from Tokyo at seven in the morning. Um, whereas in the shoot era, when you were live on a set with a crew and camera and lights, this stuff was set up well in advance. And a lot of times uh, the schedules of, of workers, as Renee will tell you firsthand, is, is so restrictive. It's almost impossible to predict uh, where you're going to be four, five, six months from now on a random Thursday in November. So that was such a big part of booking those shows was coordinating schedules. And, um, you know, from a production standpoint, it always helped to block book also to do three or four shows in a day uh, to cut down on production costs. Of course, every time you go out, you're paying. So if you can go out and knock out a bunch of shows, that was good. So that was the tough part. So maybe uh, Renee, uh, Renee skills just never worked out for us. I can't remember. Well, that being said, let's get some dirt in. I mean, uh, wrestlers can be unique personalities, unique individuals. Yeah. Would you agree? Now, that's one adjective you could use, unique, sure. <laughs> so tell me some of the good, the bad, and the ugly, man. Give me some stories. Like, who was, uh, who was the most difficult? Um, you know, I'm really fortunate to have run a pretty professional outfit, and almost all of the workers with whom we dealt, we had positive experiences, many coming back multiple times. Right. Then there are the ones that fans like to ask about that little bits of information have slipped out from our production walls, like in a couple of my books where I talk about it. Um, um, you know, the most famous one was probably uh, Conan for stiffing us and never getting on a plane. Um, uh, uh, you know, Buff Bagwell was an interesting experience and that kind of has taken on a life of its own. We tried with Buff. We tried intensely to get anything that sounded like the English language to come out of his mouth when the cameras were on. Um, we failed. I guess he was just very tired that day. And uh, speech was not anything that was going to happen of any form. Drool, drool was happening, but not speech. I tried several times uh, to to get it to get it going, and um, uh, he uh, he was unable to kick out, as he was saying uh, throughout the uh, the attempt at a shoot. Um, I did though put a couple of hundred bucks in his hand for trying, and um, you know he was pretty disappointed in himself for that performance. And I said, listen, um, you know, Marcus, we, we will try this again. You know, let's try this again. And uh, when you are ready to perform, we'll do it again. Here's a few hundred bucks. Consider it a down payment for the next time we're together. And I did want to, and I held to that despite his condition of 
retired upon uh, coming to Arstet. Uh, I did call him about six months later, said, hey, listen, I see you're in the area. Let's finally get together and do this. To which he said, oh, well, brother, uh, I got a crew coming out shooting a documentary about my family, so I can't do the small stuff anymore. But you already and paid him. And I said, I'm the guy who put a few hundred bucks in your hand when you sat there for 25 minutes trying to speak on my camera. And I cut them and said, this wouldn't be good for my fans, your parole officer or your family. So let's just wrap this up and agree to do it again, man. No hard feelings. We all have a bad night. Here's some money. You came, you tried. To which he replied, well, when I see you in Jersey, I'll knock your fucking teeth down your throat. So yeah, it didn't didn't work out with mark didn't work out with mark but um it would have been a great show it's a, it's a shame yeah so let's talk about your uh your new venture here you and kevin nash are getting together and starting your own your own little podcast uh give me some details man well as you might uh, suspect we decided there were not enough wrestling podcasts in the market <laughs> right now so this would be the perfect time to launch uh, right. Kevin and I have been talking about this since 2018. I looked in my notes to see how far back my uh, stuff went, and it was 2018 when the market was still uh, not as fertile as it is now. And uh, but you know, schedules happen, and uh, and you know, we would get. But honestly, I have to say, fans really pushed this together. Uh, the the outpouring about our times together on camera, whether it be on you shoot or timeline or guest booker, all the series that we produced, people enjoyed our chemistry and thought that uh, it, it, it would work in a podcast format. So finally this year, Kev called me and said, look, are we doing this fucking thing or not? You know, I'm doing it with you or nobody else. So let's see what we can do. So we shopped it around and uh, we went with podcast heat and uh, on July 11th, you will get a taste of Click This, the Kevin Nash podcast, which is which will, of course, touch on wrestling. We have to. Uh, that's that's the base, but it's not going to be restricted to wrestling. I guess the closest model we could come up with that exists already is maybe a Rogan kind of thing where, yeah. um, you know, he comes from a different world, but we can we can talk about anything. And Kevin wants to stay topical. He's got he's a guy with a lot of opinions. And what he said to me was, I've been listening mostly for 10 years about everyone else talk about me. So now I'm ready to come on and talk about me and a lot of the people who were talking about me. Um, and so that's that's what you'll get on uh, July 11th. Our first uh, episode will be uh, titled Friends of Scott. It will be it will feature um, folks calling in with their uh or, or videoing in with their uh, remembrances of working with Scott Hall over the past uh, couple of decades. So that'll be episode one, which premieres on July 11th. I was going to add that, Sean, because after, sadly, Scott Hall passed away, it seemed like not too long after I saw the announcement between yourself and Kevin. So was that something that made Kevin's mind up like, yeah, let's finally do it? it, was, it was there anything to do with that? or would No, we were we were already we were already locked and I, I even said to him i said hey man the show's called click this the first first show has to be your voice has to be the click and he went oh he goes i guess you didn't hear i was like no he said scott's not doing well so that's that's when i first heard uh, when i suggested having scott on 
and it 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 went downhill precipitously after that unfortunately well now that we mentioned scott hall's name you uh you worked a few times with him as well how, how was that experience well my first uh unintentional uh, partnership with Scott Hall was when we were hosting something called Ring Roasts. Roasts were coming back on Comedy Central and the Howard Stern Show, and we we thought wrestling would be a perfect venue for that. The guys have great stories; they could tell great stories about each other up on the dais. And uh, so we did the first one with the Iron Sheik, and we went on the Stern Show and promoted it. It was great, and we were set up. And Scott was at the venue that night, not part of the roast. Uh, intentionally and uh, he was um, not in good shape and he stood up on the platform and began to kind of distract the entire room and uh, a comic made a joke that he took offense to shocking I know and uh, he dove off the platform and ran up on the stage and attacked the comedian and so that was my first work with with scott hall you could see if you ever see footage of that i'm i'm in the periphery when the attack is happening and and i'm holding a a a video release so so scott can sign that's just to show you the producer's mentality he's up there choking a comic and i'm going scott just sign it first before you kill him would you sign this please so we can sell this but that was my first time with Scott. And then after that, I, I did um, I did some more legitimate settings like uh, a, a U-shoot. And uh, he was, listen, Scott's struggles were widely reported. And yeah, he was uh, just, uh, just great in the ring, of course. Uh, it, everything he did was was smooth and, and, you know, on the microphone, of course, you know, and he... He was a gimmick. He could be, he could play it straight. He could be a Razor Ramon. He could be himself. He was everything that you wanted in a wrestler. I would imagine if you're a promoter. Yeah. Except yeah. the difficulty negotiating with, you know, that stuff wouldn't have been fun, but the in-ring or on-camera product was certainly uh, stellar. Oh, so like when you guys negotiated your deal for him to come on and do your, your show, was it, was there difficulties there or? No, I don't, I, I don't think, uh, I, I think there might've been a, a little, listen, you know, you never deal with the click and, and, and get out on, on bruised, unscarred. There's always something, right? So I think Scott had a, while we were ready to shoot, did a little, you know, that envelope's a little light. I said, well, your agent, super agent, Eric Sims negotiated this. So if you want my phone, you can call him. Otherwise we're shooting a fucking show here. Um, he was concerned he had some sushi waiting for him in the lobby. So if I could speed this up, you know, but he did his two hours on care. I'll take that. I always said in any interview and in the books and everything, I will shoulder that responsibility. I, was, I came from the entertainment business. I'm, I'm used to difficult personalities. I'll deal with that. As long as on camera, the fans are getting the perfect product. It's entertaining. You're funny. You look like you want to be there. Give me the shit before the show and after the show. As long as the fans get the product, I'm fine. That's a deal I can live with. Yeah, yeah. Someone that you've always had on your show quite a few times. Well, I think it was once, but I saw so many clips from it. Um, your interview with Sonny, and me and you spoken about Sonny before, Sean, but obviously her life's gone downward again since we've spoken. Um, what's your thoughts on the predicament she's been in? And looks like she's getting locked up now for death by accident or death by car, whatever it is. Well, there, you know, there are three endings to a story like that. I just did something with the guys from um, 
I guess Barstool Sports are doing a little documentary about her. So I, she's for, she's a local girl from the area here. I knew her before our shows, and um, you know, there there are one of three endings that that happen to a story like that, a, a story of severe addiction. It's 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 death of oneself, injury or death of another, or resurrection you know, uh, or, or turning it around. And, you know, you always hope for that third one. You always hope that the person could turn it around. And we had Tammy on the first time we had Tammy on uh, was we did. We did some stuff with her beforehand, but the first uh, full show, she was on our countdown show wrestling's most where we do segments. But our, our first full show with us was a you shoot. And we got a call a couple of days before we were going to shoot from her and her boyfriend. And they said, we are literally packing to take her to rehab. So she can't do the show, but the day she comes out, we will let you know what that is. And you have a set somewhere and we'll come and we'll do that. The day. And that's exactly what happened. She, she went away, which was fine with me. It's, you know, serious stuff we're dealing with. And uh, when she came out the day after she appeared on you shoot clean, funny, open, uh, talked about every orifice that she um, offered to her boyfriend and the other men in the business, no stone <laughs> left unturned. A, a, a lot was unearthed. Uh, I'm sure uh, the Hart family didn't appreciate hearing Davy Boy had been there. Nobody knew about that until she was on our show. And, and I was kind of like, oh, boy, there's some phone calls I'm going to have to take. Like when uh, Roddy Piper talked about Pat Patterson out in Los Angeles. Oh, night. shit. Yeah, okay, that was yeah. our show, Renee. Yeah, that was my yeah. show. Uh, so uh, it didn't help that he was 16 at the time. So you know you, you prepare for that stuff and you you say uh, uh hopefully the wrestler's recollection isn't always 100 percent, and maybe they got the facts wrong but tammy came on tammy was great she was entertaining tammy's one of those ones she's a worker to the bone man she knows exactly what to do when the light comes on she knows exactly how to position herself in the business so she did that show. She went on her way. Some point after that, there's another arrest, domestic violence, and she goes away. Uh, she gets out of jail and rehab, and uh, she comes on a show we had called Breaking Kayfabe, where it's, you know, the character, the wrestling stuff is stripped away, and it's just me and the guest in a much more intimate setting talking about their life and their struggles, if, if they are. And so she came on, and I think that that one's on YouTube uh, right now on our uh, out of the vault channel. Um, and uh, she was clean and sober again. It, ironically, all the times I worked with her, I got her right out of jail. So it was perfect. She was she was she was in, she was fit to work. Should have done that with right. Buff. Um, right. So uh, she was perfect. She was great. She it, you know, she was going back to school. It, it was very optimistic. Um, I shook her hand in the end and I said, good luck. You're going to need it. Wow. Uh, and, uh, and it, uh, of course, we all know uh, where we are today with it. And uh, she's going to have no choice but to clean up now. She's, go she's going away. There's, there's no way around that. And it's not going to be a short amount of time. Unfortunately, right. she couldn't get that together before, uh, before an innocent soul was lost. And that's, that's part of the tragedy now. That is Tammy Sitch. Whew. Yeah, it's a... Uh... It's a sad state of affairs, but let me, so you got like a you shoot breaking kayfabe, the ring roast out of all those different compilations and different, um, which one's your favorite? Which one did you enjoy doing the most? See, as a fan, yes. I loved 
information about the business. So the first series we launched with was guest booker. So to me, that was fascinating, having real bookers on to talk about their process and, uh, and to have them book things in real time that they were not really booking. Uh, so that was, that was interesting to me. Then when we did timeline and we could spend two or three hours going over one year in the business, going over one year on a timeline, I love that as a fan too. So I, I was able, I sat there as a fan for 90% of these shows and that allowed, and I guess that's some of why we connected or I connected with the, the viewers in a way that others didn't because I sat there as the fan, I was reminded myself, I have to conduct this interview so that I'm asking everything everybody sitting on the couch wishes they were asking. And when it comes out of my mouth, they go, yes, 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 that, that, that. Right. So right. when I sat with Roddy Piper, I was a fucking 12 year old kid again, watching him hit Jimmy Snooker with a coconut. And, and yeah. you know, and, and I got to, to extrapolate how that whole thing was put together. So the timeline series allowed me to deal with the minutia of one year with a worker who could go, if they could remember it, that was always interesting too, getting the right guest. And the question to the agent was always, listen, listen, can they remember everything from 1997? So uh, when I had somebody who was great like that, yeah, we, we, we got to spend time with the minutia. Now I think the fans though, I think Yushu was the one that kind of catapulted us to that next level because they conducted that entire interview. It was all fan questions, fan videos. And that was our premise. Nobody was doing that at the time. We were, we'd done guest booker and we said, what if we did, we were talking about having fan questions as a segment. And then Anthony, um, my business partner said, what if we did the whole show? Fans conduct the whole thing. They want to, they want to shoot on somebody. They want to propose marriage to them, whatever they want to say from the safety of their home, they can yeah. say to the worker. Right. She said, great. We just have to get the right guests the guys and gals that were lightning rods, the ones that would elicit a lot of fan reaction, passion. So our first guests, Honky Tonk Man, Missy Hyatt, uh, Cornette, Vince Russo, you know, so it was all the ones that the fans wanted to have some time with for better or yeah. worse. So that you shoot was what first changed the model. And then now our timeline model is being emulated by, well, first WB Network emulated it all. They just kind of took what we did. And I'm not so foolish to think that Apple was the company that invented the MP3 player. They weren't. They were the ones that brought it to mass market. So yeah. I, I expected that to happen. They took our brand. I, I know people in Titan Tower, they send me pictures of the you shoot uh, boxes on desks. The, the DVDs. So there was no surprise about what was coming, nor was there anything we could really do about it. Uh, you can't copyright an idea. Um, and, uh, you know, they're savvy with that stuff. But the you shoot was the one that oh, that said, hey, these let these guys be crazy and let them be crazy with the fans. And then the timeline stuff. Now we start to see there are podcasts that do that. Take little uh, focus on one year or one event and dive deep, deep, deep. The shoot interviews at the time when we came around 15 years ago, they were career retrospectives. They would sit down with Renee and talk about who trained him and where he started and uh, talk about his dad and talk about Maritimes and, and, and talk about all that stuff as an arc of someone's career. We said, let's take 2002 and talk to Renee about one fucking year. Let's go inside 2002 with him as our guide in a time machine. 
and then and that showed people that ooh, we could we could also we could do that we can t tackle this from a historical point of view and i think you see a lot of that now too oh yeah oh no you guys definitely um reinvented a, a form of entertainment for people with your ideas and stuff and like you said wwe when they see that something works they'll steal the shit out of it <laughs> renee who, who's a renee who's a better performer than a professional wrestler who's better to sit down with and ask them to be entertaining for two hours than a professional wrestler even actors musicians that's not their wheelhouse you sit down with a wrestler and you turn on the light, no matter what condition they're in, tired, hungover, you guys are trained. When the red light goes on, bang, it's yeah, time yeah. to perform. That's why the programming was so compelling. Um, yeah. you, you guys are as entertaining out of the ring as you are in the ring. And, and that was uh, guys in your era and before. I don't know today. I'm, I'm not really in touch with all the chair shots to the head that give us CTE and we're all wild and crazy. Listen, that's 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 some shit right there i mean it's it's come to light over the past few years but that's that's something that uh was not considered in the days of a harley race and a rick flair now thank god they're they're starting to to see the the full effect of this but how about you renee i mean did you do you experience any long-term effects from your your time in the ring oh yeah oh hell yeah i mean don't forget, I got to the WWE like on television stuff at 19 years old, and that's wow. still at a time where they were doing chair shots to the head. Yeah. And so I've taken many, many a chair shot. Your brain's not fully developed till you're 21, right? So, you know, I've had issues. Uh, can I point it directly to that? I don't think. Well, it could be. I mean, I've had brain scans and stuff, and I've taken tests, and I definitely. I'm not as sharp, the sharpest knife in the drawer from a, a neurological standpoint. So even your body, but, uh, I mean, without health insurance and, you know, this, you know, I could hear all the promoters going, oh, here we go again, health insurance. But listen, this is a field where you're expecting guys to put themselves through the ringer however many hundred days a year without yeah. the protection or the benefit of health insurance being able to go to a doctor and have it have it covered and as you know you're not going to work you're not getting paid if you don't work so you you are working when you shouldn't be working right doesn't happen in the nfl doesn't happen in major league baseball doesn't happen in the nba the team doctor has that final say and you know what if he's got to be out six weeks he's out six weeks he's on the payroll he he, he works for the team and he's given health insurance by the NBA Players Association or the NFL Players Association. It still doesn't happen in wrestling. I don't know how it doesn't happen. This whole independent contractor thing, I do not know how this continues. If you tell someone where to work, when to work, and who they can't work for, that's called an employee. There's no there's no fuzziness in that. It's not unclear. And I know people have tried to bring lawsuits, and Connecticut always seems to strike them down. I just don't know how that's possible it's their contracts man like when i was there okay the contract was probably about this thick and now uh talking with people it's the size of a phone book you remember phone books when those existed i don't know if they yeah, still yeah. exist i do but yeah yeah it's like the first hundred pages sounds great but then if you keep on reading everything that's sounding great will be contradicted by some type of clause 
in their special wording. So, oh, you know, you're supposed to get notarized by a lawyer, right? These contracts. Well, a lawyer usually pays by the, he's paid by the hour. It'd probably cost you about two to three grand for a lawyer to really read through it and really, you know what I mean? Yeah. Most guys are just so gun ho to, oh God, I'm going to be in the WWF or E. So yeah, just notarize it. They don't read the fine print. They don't realize that, okay, you're getting fucked, you know. What was the best thing about being in the major leagues, uh, Renee? The exposure. That's it. Yeah. Uh, I've been gone there for 15, 16 years now, but I still get work. Right. Because of the exposure. Right. And thank God for YouTube because I made, you know, like, that's why I started Cafe de Renee, this little YouTube. It's just a way to keep me, uh, keep me in light. And I started this during the pandemic, thanks to James, because he contacted me to do his show. And then he, he messaged me and said, hey, would you like to do your own podcast? I had enough, because I don't care. Lost him for a second. So James, finish his sentence, go ahead. Yeah, so uh, same as you, Sean. So uh, Renee came on my podcast, done really well, and we spoke about Bill Goldberg. And uh, Booker T, someone who doesn't seem to be happy with us, keeps watching our show, and he commented on Renee's comments about Bill Goldberg, how Goldberg was unsafe, which is no big secret, let's be honest, he ended Brit Hart's career. And Renee <laughs> wasn't best pleased, so I said to Renee, well, if you want, you can come back on my show. We'll do a response video. And we've done a response video to Booker. We basically cracked down these videos. So everything we cracked down, Renee gave, like, you know, reasons why this, this, this happened. The bullying, the locker room haze and all that stuff. And me and Renee just got along. So we thought, hey, let's start a podcast. And like Renee says, it's been great exposure. And uh, we only started it last August, but over a million hits and past 8,000 subscribers, uh, we're doing well and it's just growing. So, um, yeah, it's been pretty sweet. It's great. It's a great, it's a great way to stay. Like Renee said, to stay uh, in the public eye, certainly. And, uh, and keep your legacy alive. Renee, what, what was the best piece of advice your dad gave you? Save your money. I've Save heard your that money from so many second generation wrestlers. It's funny. Save your money and don't be a mark. Whether you're in the ring with uh, Joe Blow or Hulk Hogan, they're all just the boys, right? You know, don't yeah. get star, don't get starstruck when you get put with somebody. Exactly. Yeah. I had a friend. I had a friend of mine from Montreal. He was in Bad Santa too with uh, Billy Bob Thornton. Okay. Yeah. Anybody who watched a movie, he's in the short scene where he's a prisoner in, in the prison cell with uh, Billy Bob. And I said, what was it like meeting him? He goes, it's just like a worker, dude. He wants to find out if you're a mark, if you're a fan. And if he finds out that you're cool, he'll he'll talk to you. But if he finds out that you're a mark, he wants nothing to do with you. Same yeah. in wrestling. So for all you young wrestlers out there, don't be marks. Be respectful, be humble, but don't be a mark. I said, uh, I've said in the past, I think in the book too, that, uh, you know, my time in the entertainment business, the one consistency with wrestling, the bigger the name, the cooler they usually are. Yeah. Have nothing to prove. I mean, people I work with on camera, like uh, Robert Duvall and, and big names, the coolest guys. It's usually that middle level who have too much to prove that, that are dicks. And it's right. uh, my experiences in wrestling, the bigger the name, Harley Race, Bruno San Martino, the bigger the name, 
as long as you were square with them, you know, you, you got to do business the right way. You do business the right way. They'll give you everything. It's true. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So what was it like working with Harley, man? Harley, my everyone's favorite Harley story for me. Uh, and it does not involve anything that happened on camera. We were uh, recording and um, he uh, he had to fly out early the next morning back to uh, St. Louis for a wedding. And the snow began to fall outside the window over Newark Airport. And it was a little like, oh, God, Harley, I don't know how this is going to go for you tomorrow morning. And um, he did two things with his hand that night that left me <laughs> speechless. The first one, everyone talks about, oh, Harley's tough, his strength. I sat next to him. I saw this with my own eyes. He was drinking Bud Lights. And he took the bottle cap. And he put it in between these two fingers, okay, in the round like, like this, so that the bottle cap is facing here. And with his hand, he folded it in half like a clamshell. He leans over first and goes, can you do this? I said, Harley, whenever someone says that to me, the answer's no. Right away, it's no. So I'm going to say no. <laughs> and then he puts it in there and folds it in half and tosses it at me like a clamshell. These two fingers, probably the weakest fingers on the hand. Right. Unbelievable. Then I was standing up and assessing the snow and he took perhaps that same hand. And I didn't know, I was new to this. I didn't know if this was a worker thing or not, but Harley goes, you better hope that snow lightens up or it's going to cost you another grand. And he reached under and grabbed my balls from behind. I'd heard of the wrestler's handshake. I didn't think that was it. <laughs> Fortunately, it was much lighter than the bottle cap got the treatment. <laughs> Maybe his hand was tired after the bottle cap, but and I'm standing. I'm standing in the hotel room like this. <laughs> He's laughing like you are right now. The crew is standing there staring at me like this. And I'm standing there pretending to still look out the window because I don't want to sell it. I'm just looking out the window. Still snowing. Still going to sit now, Harley. I'm going to sit. You're nowhere near the cushion, are you? I might break a finger. That Those are my two favorite Harley race stories. Wow. Okay, so we're, we can edit this out. So there's a question I want to ask you when we're talking about your different video. Financially. Which one was uh, the most, um, which was superior, financially superior of all? Made your, like, the most making... money? Yes. Um, well, I'll give you, a, I don't know uh, the one, but I could give you a few that I know were always, anything with Cornette always did well. Oh, fuck yeah. Yeah, Cornette was always, before he had his podcast and anything, this was the, this was the place he came uh, to be Cornette. And he even called me one time and he goes, uh, before he we gave him a series called Back to the Territories, where he would host yes. an entire yes. show with one person. We produced that, but we, we had him host it because he called and he goes, Sean, these motherfuckers, I'm getting real tired of working for these fucking marks. And you could do any kind of deal where you put me on retainer or some shit like that. And I can tell them, well, fuck you. I can't work for you because Sean's got me on the retainer. I said, Jim, I can't. I could never tell a worker not to go take a payday. I would never do that with you. I said, right. so let me do something else. Let me put together a series for you. You could host it. We'll have you come out. We'll shoot three in a day, come out every few months, and we'll try to cover all the territories. So anything with Corny was good for probably. Now, these are the DVD days. The numbers I'm going to give you were when people were paying $20 yeah. for a DVD. 
like the film industry. Check your compare your residuals now to your residuals back when people bought DVDs. Um, right. Corny was good, probably in our opening month you know dvds you'd always do hot in the month and then they would tail off because there'd be another release but we could be pulling in three or four thousand dollars a day on a, wow. on a on a corny release and wow. um i had i had some opening nights with guys like nash and even russo i know people don't want to hear that but i mean russo sold where we could do an opening night of seven grand from wow you know 10 p.m to 10 a.m i'd wake up and go okay you know that worked um okay let's go let's go on the other hand now which one were, were bombs you know what happened uh with us we always all of our stuff was always profitable but what happened was when the industry started to change and uh the network was on um podcasts started popping up we realized we have to change we can't do, continue to do the shoot interview because number one everybody's going on podcasts and talking for two hours for no money. You know, I'm going to pay a thousand dollars for the same or whatever it is with the crew and the food and everything, five grand for the same story. So we got to change what we're doing here. And what we did was we came up with a few new shows. The first one was called Raven's Wrestler Rescue. It was a makeover show where we Raven would go to an indie show and take a worker who had a troubled gimmick take it, remake it, redress them, work with promos, create a new character, and then the following month, send them out there to see if it, it went any better. So more like a reality show, right? Less like a right. shoot, still a shoot, still a shoot, but like yeah. a reality show. So, and then um, we had Gabe Sapolsky do a show about uh, Evolve. So we wanted to focus on the younger workers, uh, we had a show called Bombshells. Leva Bates was our host where she would have uh, the, the female workers of the business on. So we, we said, we've got to break this out. We, it, we can't keep bringing the honky tonk man in. You know, it's got to be it's got to be something different. And what happened was, I think fans would have loved it. I think. But the model of buying things a la carte, having to buy Raven Show or Bombshells or You Shoot, that was gone. We, we needed the streaming model. So what started to happen toward the end with shows like that was they weren't selling as individual programs. So we needed to adopt the streaming model uh, as a whole. So, so those toward the end, it was much more difficult to sell the programming because the biz, the wrestling business finally caught up with the rest of the entertainment business and Netflix and all those other models. wrestling is usually about two years later than everything else. So finally the subscription model uh, landed in wrestling and we needed to adopt that so those those last years a couple of years where we were still clinging to the dvd uh market were tough yeah yeah so james you got anything to finish uh yeah so you mentioned it earlier sean uh, the timelines and renee noto i'm going to mention like my favorite one you've done was bret hart and Renee's in agreement with you. Renee believes the Montreal Screwjob is a work, and you spoke to Brett about it off camera. I found the one worker who's gonna who's gonna sit on my side of the fence today. Waltman was like this with me. Yes, right. Pac was like this, but he didn't he didn't break. But Renee, I, and you know what? It was off camera when I had to say this to Brett, but I knew I had to save face. My whole in front of my whole crew. I've been saying on shows for years that. Montreal worked too well for everybody. 
It worked too yeah. well. You got a guy that won't give the belt away. What's the perfect way to have him save face? Brett, well, fuck you. Well, fuck you. It's not you. You don't have to lay down for Sean. Take a shot at me. And then Vince turns around, becomes the biggest heel in the business for five years. But here's the thing that sold me. And this is what I told Brett. The bell rings. What does the director in the truck cut to? Not the champion. He cuts to Brett Hart's face, a close-up of Brett on the mat. Why? I've never seen a title change where you don't shoot the person who just won. You don't cut to the shot of Shawn Michaels after the bell rings, the new champion, a close-up of Brett going. Tell me your thoughts. Well, well, now that you say that, they also had a close-up of him. There's a seven-second delay on those on those uh, those shots, and they showed Vince McMahon being spit on. You know what I mean? Not only that, he goes into the meetings with Vince with a fucking hidden hidden mic. And right? Is it? Like, come on now. I've been in the business. That... Anyway. But this is a Whatever. compliment, Renee. This is a compliment to Brett. Of and course Vince. it is. That's what no, that's why Brett Hart's the greatest marker in history. Never, never broken on that. Two people agreed, maybe three agreed to the death. Yeah. We never talk about this. And it worked. Brett leaves a hero, maligned by an evil boss. The evil boss goes, I'm the evil boss on camera now. Has a program with Austin. It was gorgeous. No, Brett was in his 40s by then. Probably, you know, probably tired of the business. Uh, uh, He went off to get millions and millions and millions of guaranteed money from Turner. And that whole angle is what turned around Vince's business for, I mean, shit. Austin versus McMahon was the hottest angle of the last, what, 20 years? Yeah. So Tell Tell me something that would surprise me about Vince McMahon. I don't know. You've been on camera with all kinds of guys that were closer to him than I was. Uh, I heard he's like a child and maybe he likes fart jokes and shit like that. Like he's. he's all little- I know is that he's an obsessive compulsive bodybuilder. Okay. To the point where like I could see it like I'm, I'm into bodybuilding too and I'm into getting into shape. And sometimes I have extreme OCD. So when I would get into really, really good shape, he'd be a lot friendlier to me. Interesting. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. And like saying I let myself go for it, because, I mean, you can't stay ripped up, ripped shape year-round. I mean, some guys can, but it's very difficult. And as soon as I would, like, maybe put on a little bit of body fat, whatever, you just turn on you like that. Wow. Uh, the body, oh, the yeah. body was important to Vince, right? The look. Oh. The look. Yeah. Look at it. Yeah. Ultimate Warrior, John Cena, The Rock. You know what I mean? I'm one of these guys, and maybe it's because of my age. I do feel that in that business, that's very important. There has to be a circus-like element to some of these guys that I'm seeing. They should not look like me. I should never feel that I have a shot against anybody that's walking past me down the aisle. I should be in fear of everybody that walks by me as a fan. I just think that that works. That's perception, right? Perception is reality. That's another yes. one of his favorite quotes. But in reality, are you familiar with Minoru Suzuki? Japanese yeah, of okay. Yeah. 
Well, Minoru Suzuki don't look like no fucking bodybuilder, but I guarantee you he'll take it and stretch it into a pretzel because he's done it to me. But that's, <laughs> but, that's, but that's different because I could look at him in the ring and see that he could do anything. So, so that's oh, that's different. If somebody's if somebody's uh, a lethal weapon, regardless yeah. of what they look like, I'm still going to be in fear of them. But right. but there is still nothing like look. If you walked into a locker room in 1979 and there's Afa and Kamala, and King Kong Bundy, <laughs> and Tony Atlas, and Lou Albano, yeah. and Sky Lolo. Yeah. Either the fucking <laughs> circus bus just broke down outside, or I'm in a wrestling locker room. It's not a baseball yeah. locker room. I'm not so sure today if I think I was in a baseball locker room or not, but I know in 1979, I, I, knew, I knew I was in a wrestling locker room, and that's important. Now, James and I are big bodybuilders as well, as you can tell. And oh, yeah. so, so we would uh, we would be instantly over with uh, Papa Vince, I think. Oh yeah, <laughs> he's you there, Renee? Yes. Sorry. Sorry. Uh, before before we do go, Sean, let's say uh, you mentioned Yushu. I used to love like the names from some of the fans who had what wrote questions. And for the fans who's watching this, please be more creative for your names. But Sean's lazy eye, Horsecock Express. <laughs> Who was your favorite? <laughs> the Horsecock Express was a big one. Fans liked that. Dusty's Ghost was was a fan that sent in a lot of questions. Those were all legit, legit fans. I mean, that's you know they deserve all the credit for them, crazy bastards that they are. No, like, you know, I have to say, of all the workers I've worked with, I I, I enjoyed uh, every Canadian worker was great. That I've Brett great rick martell could you find a nicer guy in the world oh, than yeah. rick martell i mean now you i don't blow up my spot here and tell me you know he bangs your girlfriend or something but i think rick martell was the nicest guy um yeah. gentleman right yeah totally um uh um uh, renee goulet we had on we did a show with renee goulet called inside the office where we we dug inside the uh the job of the road agent um isn't um isn't, uh, isn't vamp isn't vamp vampiro uh yeah from Canada also great Bay. great talent i don't know i don't know if it's the training you guys got or just like just an understanding of the business that was different do you see a different mentality from canadian workers and american workers oh 100 maybe it's the free health care maybe it's the tim hortons oh. coffee <laughs> <laughs> So it has nothing to do with wrestling. It has to do with politics. I think, no, I think it has to do with the lack of stress. You know, if we go and uh, slip on the ice and break our arm, we don't have to worry about remortgaging our house or going bankrupt. It's covered for. Right. How's Trudeau doing? What do you think? Uh, not very many people like him. Really? Oh, yeah. He's not very well liked at all. Especially like... Uh, out west, like Calgary area, Alberta area, where all the oil refineries are, you know? Yeah, they don't like him at all. He shut down a bunch of stuff. I don't really follow it. I'm a pro wrestler. I follow him in the wrestling business. So I just know he's not very well liked. Right. Yeah. Well, Jesus yeah. Christ, we covered it all. Tell me the last show you did, Renee, where we covered uh, Trudeau. We, co we covered uh, Harley Race grabbing my balls. I mean, we, we went right around. No, we're going to clip this up. We're going to get about 15 clips out of this. I appreciate it. But let's promote your stuff. Click this with uh, uh, Sean Oliver and uh, Kevin Nash, July 11th. Is that right? 
July 11th is the first show. You want to follow us, go over to Twitter at click this podcast. Click is, of course, K-L-I-Q. Um, so head over there, follow me, follow Kev, follow click this podcast and uh, come listen to us after you listen to Renee every week. Then you come listen to us. <laughs> Well, thank you so much, sir. It was great having you on and uh, incredibly articulate, incredibly intelligent. And uh, I want to thank you for being so professional. It's all a work. It's all a work, baby. That's it. Thank you. Good night. Thank you. Goodbye.